Isn't it fitting that on Roundup Sunday today at high noon, the Dallas Cowboys play the Washington Redskins? I mean, that's just kind of a side note, I guess. Hey, my life couldn't get any better than it is today, right here. So anyway, I watched that TV show on the Outdoor Channel, came back to the office the next day, and Johnny and I got to talking about it. And Johnny said, yeah, I've been watching that. Isn't that the coolest thing? I said, man, it is. He said, I guess you know there's somebody in our church that does that. I said, who? He said, Don Shep. He said, Don's been shooting it for probably 10, 15 years. And so we hooked up with Brother Don, whose alias, everybody's got an alias. I don't know anybody's real name in SAS. We, we just know each other by our aliases. Don Shamp's alias is John Gray Wolf. And uh, he invited Johnny and myself, and Jason, you were part of that group, and some others, out to his place. He loaded up bullets for us. He laid his guns out. And he gave us our first taste of cowboy action shooting. Don. My hat's off to you, brother. Thank you. You got me hooked, man, and, and I love this game. Uh, let, let me tell you a little bit about it. Uh, I shoot out at Old Fort Gun Club once a month with a, a bunch of renegades from the Judge Parker's Marshals. Uh, brother Johnny shoots. His name is Palestine Pete. There's John Gray Wolf. Back there in the back, raise your hand, is Cowpoke. Keenan Polk, Cowpoke. Cowpoke is the reigning Arkansas State champion. He's fast. Cowpoke's good. Russ Wagner shoots. His name is Revelator. Anyway, we, we shoot out at Old Fort Gun Club, and we got, we've got stages out there, and one of them is the church. All right? It's, you can see on the sign it says Kavanaugh Church, Free Will Baptist. One of our guys donated the material. Other guys in our church built it, and then one of our guys put that sign up there. You can't see the bottom of it, but it says, Preacher, Holy Smoke. That's me. That's me. And every time we shoot the, the church stage, I get everybody in there, and right before we shoot that stage, I'll give them a little fiery sermon, man. I say, it's a lot of fun. Anyway, we, we shoot real guns. These are not fake guns. They're real guns. We're shooting at steel targets, and it's all based on speed and accuracy. Uh, the, the timer operator has a little timer. Uh, you have to say a line, and usually the lines are from cowboy uh, movies, uh, like uh, uh, it, it could be any line from any cowboy movie. Uh, Cowpoke's favorite is, my horse didn't make that mess. <laughs> One of my favorite is, if I can't have the whole dog, I don't want the tail. All right? Anyway, there's just funny lines you say, and then the beep goes off, and you're on the clock at that point. You pull out your guns, and you shoot the targets as fast as you can, and we have, uh, we have um, uh, what are they called? The, uh, the, 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 I've lost my train of thought, cowpoke. Counters. we got three counters, and they're watching and listening for the ping on the target, and if you miss, they add five seconds to your time. So if you, boy, if you have four misses, you're in trouble. That's 20 seconds added to your time. And it's all about what? Speed and accuracy. And oh, I'm telling you what, it is a whole lot of fun. Let me tell you about my guns that I shoot. It's not boring to you, is it? I'm telling you about my hobby. But listen, it has a point. I'm getting to a point because the message is entitled, Bullets, the Bible, and You. All right? So it, it all has a point. I shoot Ruger Vaquero. Single action pistols, all right? We shoot two of them. We'll shoot five rounds in each gun. You might say, well, that cylinder has six uh, cylinders in it. Yeah, but the hammer's always got to be down on an empty chamber because we're all about safety. 
We don't want to shoot each other. I'll talk about that here in a little bit maybe, all right? <laughs> so we shoot five out of each revolver. My revolvers are Ruger Sass Vaqueros. These have had a little bit of work done on them. I took the regular barrels off and I put shilling barrels on that are turned octagon. Uh, it's got a short stroke boogie kit in it, all right? So the hammers are short stroke. That means that the hammer doesn't go back as far as a regular Vaquero. You might say, well, why? Well, it's all about speed and accuracy. And if I've got a quarter inch more travel time on that hammer, that's taking up a whole lot of precious time. Yeah. And besides all that, it's cool to have a short stroke boogie kit on your pistols. Just shoot them as fast as you can. I have uh, elk grips put on them, custom made by a guy named Arkansas Drifter. These are nice little pistols. My holster rig has to be fancy because I shoot B-Western. B-Western is a category you shoot in. Most of them are uh, age-based categories. Buckaroos, the little kids, cowboys, the young, young men. Then you got Wranglers and 49ers and then seniors and super seniors and great dames. And it just goes on and on and on as old as you get. But I shoot a costume-based category, B-Western. Remember the old B-Western movies? Came out like the 40s, 50s. Roy Rogers was a big B-Western uh, movie star. The reason they call them B-Western is they were low budget. That's what the B stands for, low budget. If you watch them today, you just kind of shake your head because they're, they're corny and they're, they're not well made. And nobody in my family will watch them with me because they think they're stupid. I think they're cool though, all right? B-Western. These B-Western movie stars dressed fancy. That's what I have to do. It says in the rule book, you have to dress fancy. Do I look fancy? I got this fancy shirt on today. Somebody out there said, guns and roses. <laughs> no, not quite. This is, this is a Roy Rogers hat. Anybody remember Roy Rogers? Can you tell that is a Roy Rogers hat? It really is. It's made from his uh, own personal hat. This was made by a guy in Tennessee and uh, Buckaroo Hatters. And I know it's my hat because on the inside it says, custom made for holy smoke. It's my... Anyway, you're supposed to be saying, ooh, oh. So I got my Ruger Vaqueros that I shoot. My rifle, because I am a B-Western shooter, I have to shoot a Marlin rifle. It's a copy of an 1894 rifle. It's a lever-action rifle. This is a little carbine Marlin 94. It's been hard chrome, and it's been engraved. It sure is party, ain't it? It's a purdy gun. And it's, as they say in cowboy shooting, it's as slick as snot. Insides have been taken out and reworked by a cowboy up in Indiana named Cowboy Cardi. He short-stroked it. That means that the lever doesn't open up as much on a regular rifle. It's short, a short stroke. Why in the world would I want a short stroke? Because the travel time of that long lever is just costing me time, baby. And I'm all about speed and accuracy. So as quick as I can pull it, man, there we go, sending bullets downrange. We usually load her up with 10 rounds. You take the target, whatever the scenario is, it might be a double tap Nevada sweep. Those are fun to shoot. Could be an ambler sweep. 
It, it could be a Lawrence Welk sleep. Whatever they call for, you got to shoot that on the target, and uh, I'll take aim. I'm not going to pull it up here because I did that in the first service and made all kinds of noise with my microphone. But I'll pull it up there, and I'll just shoot it as fast as I can shoot it, man. Woo! Man, that charges me up right there. Anyway, whatever, y'all... Y'all sure are hard to impress, man, I'll tell you what. Then we shoot a shotgun. I'm not born, you am I? I'm just telling you about my hobby, cowboy action shoot, and there's a point to all of this. I shoot a double-barrel shotgun. This is an SKB shotgun. It's been uh, worked on by a cowboy in Atlanta, Georgia named Fast Eddie, and he's fast, too. He cut the barrel off. He honed it out. He made it slick. Man, isn't that, look at how slick. Y'all are a tough crowd. We, we load our shotgun shells from our body. I don't have my belt on, but I have a belt that goes right across my belly here that I have my 12-gauge shotgun shells in. And when it's time to shoot the shotgun, we'll pull her open. I'll pull it up to my arm right here. I'll load from the body, load them in, bang, bang, fast I can. Shuck them out, reload, bang, bang, shuck them out. Man, let me tell you, for somebody that can really do it, it is impressive to see. I'm not real fast, and you're probably wondering, well, what does all that look like? Well, I, I got a little video I'll show you. This is me shooting Land Run, big shoot in Oklahoma. I'm not shooting very fast because the stage is, is kind of hard to shoot, but it's the best video I had of me shooting. And if you really want to see it, well, let's roll that video. Nail driver's timing me. Watch this. On, the, on that stage, we had five rifle targets and five pistol targets. The reason I wasn't going real fast, you had to hit target one, target five, target two, target four, target three, and then go back one, five, two, four, three. That's a pretty slow. Cowpoke probably did it in 17, 18 seconds. I did it in 21. That's just because cowpoke's fast, man. I started off shooting 45 long colt. All these other guys were shooting 38 specials. Because they said they could go faster. I said, man, if I'm going to do this thing, I want to be a real man. I'm going to shoot a real bullet, a big bullet. 45 long coat. That's what my granddaddy Whitmire had. He had a 45 long coat pistol. And so I went that way, and I found out real quick I needed to go 38 because 45 long coat's just too slow to shoot. There's too much recoil. Recoil takes time. You got to go fast because it's all about speed and accuracy. And so I sold all my 45 long coat guns, and now I shoot 38. That's the cartridge I shoot. Now, again, I want you to know all these guns are unloaded. We're safe up here, but I do have something in my pocket. All right, y'all old-timers, remember that? Barney, Barney, Barney Five, he always had a bullet in his pocket. And so here I got one of my 38 specials in my pocket. These are the bullets I make. 
Uh, we shoot so much ammunition, you couldn't go to the store and buy it. Plus, it's not the right load because we want uh, just very little powder, at least I do, and a very light bullet because the recoil, all right, takes time. And so I've perfected the load in my 38 Special. I will load somewhere between seven and 10,000 rounds of 38 Special per year. Right? Because we just shoot a lot practicing and then going to these matches. And I have a Dillon 650 press that I make all of my bullets on. You might say, well, Brother Will, you're sure spending a whole lot of time about this. Well, there's a point to it. All right? I'm going to tell you a story here in a minute about making bullets and what God taught me one day, making bullets. So here's my Dillon 650. I'm making bullets. It's a five-station progressive press. Every time I pull the handle, that uh, press is turning and the bullet drops down. The first stage deprimes it. It resizes it. The second stage puts powder in it and also it primes it. The third stage checks my powder level. The fourth stage, I'm putting the bullet on it. It's seating the bullet. The fifth stage crimps it and then it drops it out. You see that? Just as fast as I can pull that handle, that machine's with me. I can actually make 100 rounds in six minutes. <laughs> Come on. That's not really very fast. People can do it a whole lot faster than that. But if I'm, if I'm loading for competition, I'll take my time because, man, we don't want to squib. We want all the bullets to go bang when you pull the trigger, right? So here I am in, in my garage. I'm, I'm making these bullets, and, and I'm, I'm looking at all the different components. You're probably wondering, what makes a cartridge up? Are you wondering that? Yes. Yes. <laughs> You're supposed to say yes. Are you wondering that? Yes. Well, let me just go through it real quick because there's a point to all this. The thing that's on the outside is the the case itself. There's a picture of, of a case pulling it up right near the next video. There's the case, all right? Or it's also called the brass. We call it the brass. I shoot Starline brass. I order a thousand new Starline every year and I use those in all my matches. At the end of the year, I turn them into practice cartridges. You can shoot one of these things about 20 times on average before it weakens the sides and will start cracking on it, all right? So here is the brass. The brass holds everything together. The next piece of element on this uh, cartridge is the primer. The primer is on the bottom of the brass. There's a little primer pocket. The second stage on my Dillon 650 sets this primer into the bottom of the cartridge. The primer is the igniter, and here's what's happened. Here's what's ha happening. Whenever, whenever I lever this rifle, okay, let's just say the rifle itself, and there it is, my rifle stuck. Oh boy. Cowpoke, you got a screwdriver out there. You can come up here and help me with this thing. Forget it. That's bad. That's bad. That's costing me time right there. I'll do my revolver, all right? I pull the hammer back. When I squeeze the trigger, the hammer falls. It's hitting a firing pin, and that firing pin strikes that primer, which is on the bottom of the case, and it causes a small explosion, just a minor explosion. But that minor explosion causes a bigger explosion inside the case because you know what's in that case? Next element, number three, it's the powder, which is the propellant. So the, the firing pin strikes the primer, which causes a minor explosion, which causes a bigger explosion inside the case when the powder explodes. 
That powder right there is what I use in my bullets. It's clay's powder. It's, it's really made for shotgun shells, but I like the way it burns in my little cartridge, and also I like the way it smells. Anyway, us cowboy shooters, we're kind of weird about that. That explosion occurs, and when the explosion occurs, the gases inside this case will shoot the bullet, which is the fourth element to the cartridge, out of the case and down the barrel of the gun. Uh, there's a picture of the uh, bullet I use. That one is actually a 100-grain poly-coated bullet. I used that for competition. Hey, I gave you a bullet, didn't I? You got your bullet? Everybody got a bullet? If you didn't get a bullet, raise your hand. Ushers will give you a bullet because everybody needs a bullet. Raise your hand, just keep it up. Hopefully an usher will get you a bullet. The bullet you have right now is safe for you to hold. Yes, it is made out of lead, but it's a poly-coated bullet. That means it's been coated in polymer, baked, and then recoated in polymer, and baked again. The one you're holding is a little tiny bullet. It's only a 95-grain bullet. I like little bullets because it's less recoil. Less recoil means you go faster. And this game is all about... Speed and accuracy, okay? So hang on to your bullet. That's a very important part of this lesson today. This lesson is what? Okay. One last look. Let's look at all four elements of this cartridge, what makes it up. There's the body, which is the case. It holds everything together. There's the primer on the bottom. When the firing pin strikes the primer, there's a little minor explosion which causes the powder which is in the case to have a great explosion. When that explosion occurs, the bullet comes out of the case down the barrel of the gun and hits the intended target. You got it? I want you to remember that because there's going to be a test at the end, kids. All right? Now, this is not only about bullets, it's also about the Bible. So open your Bibles to Isaiah chapter 6 for a very short lesson this morning. Here I am one day, probably two years ago. I'm in my man cave, which is a garage called Kokomo, and I'm cranking out bullets. I'm getting ready for a big match. I'm cranking these bullets out. And right in the middle of cranking these bullets out, I have a God moment where God just kind of speaks to me. And he does it in a real powerful way, and he teaches me a life lesson. And that life lesson is what I want to share with you today. And I see that life lesson happening in Isaiah chapter 6. Now, when we get to Isaiah chapter 6, we usually hear this passage at a missions service because it's all about missions. God is saying, who will go for us and who can I send out? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. And so we use that in missions. But you know what? It's more about calling missionaries out, and it's more about just Isaiah filling and hearing the call from God. This is for you and me. This is what God is saying to each one of us in this room today. This is what we are to be about, Isaiah chapter 6. Now, because of the outline I'm using today, I've got to read it out of the old version, King James. So follow along with me, verse 1. In the year that King Uzziah died... I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. He was high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, read this with me, 
Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. That's what these angels are saying to the Lord. You're holy, God. Holy, holy, holy. Verse 4. And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried. And the house was filled with smoke. Isn't that interesting? We got holy, holy, holy. And then we got some smoke. I'll be. It's holy smoke. Oh, well. Y'all sure are hard to impress, aren't you? Verse 5. Then said I, this is Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. And so the Lord said in verse 9, Go, you go out there and tell the people, about me. Heavenly Father, I pray that you'd bless the reading of your word. Now, this is a great story. That's my prayer right there. This is Roundup Day, short and sweet, man. I got three points. They're real short and sweet, too. Here they are. Whoa, low, go. Right there in the Bible, King James Version. First one is woe. Isaiah went to the temple one day. Kind of like you coming to church. Isaiah had been to the temple hundreds of times, probably thousands of times, because he was a worshiper of God. He was a righteous man. He was, he was a God man. He was a religious man. And so here he shows up at the Lord's house one day. But you know what? This day was a different day. Because this day he encountered God like he had never encountered God before. You know what? Last night I was in here and I, I did some praying for you. And I prayed, Lord, these, these people come to church week after week, Sunday after Sunday. Some of them come 52 Sundays a year. For some of them, it's a routine. They just come to church because it's the right thing to do. People expect them to come to church. Some of them are coming to church because they want to impress you and just want to be religious. But Lord, I pray that you'd make tomorrow a little bit different for them. Make tomorrow the day they encounter you like Isaiah did. And that's what happened to Isaiah right here in Isaiah chapter 6. He came to the Lord's house, and all of a sudden, he encountered God. He saw God. God was always there, but this day, he saw God for who God really was. And let me tell you, when he saw God, it changed him. He fell on his face, and what did he say? Woe is me. He didn't see God and say, hallelujah, praise the Lord. He saw God and he fell on his face. Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He saw something different that day. He saw God. And as he saw God, he saw himself as he really was. You know, some of us, uh, some of us can get to feeling pretty good about ourselves sometimes, can't we? I, I, I don't really know this for sure, but after studying and reading about Isaiah, I think Isaiah had kind of gotten into a rut where he thought he was a pretty good guy. You know what he really was? He was royalty. He was a righteous man. He was a godly man. He was a church-going man. 
And I think he got a little pious and, and a little prideful, and he thought he was really something. But, but when he got in front of God, he realized he wasn't anything. Sometimes we get that way. Sometimes we think we're better than we really are. But problem is our point of comparison. I can get to thinking I'm a pretty good cowboy shooter. Then I go up against somebody like Cal Polk or C.S. Brady or Creek County Kid. And I realize I'm not very good at all. But you know what? I can always find somebody that I can beat. I can find somebody that I'm better than. I'm not a very good golfer, but you know what? I can find somebody I can beat. I can find somebody that I'm better than. Growing up and going to high school, I used to say this about myself. I can play any sport. And I can. I'm just athletic enough to play anything, but I can't play anything good. <laughs> I've done it. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's all about our point of comparison. You can think you're a holy and righteous and godly person, but who are you comparing yourself to? Mm. That day was different for Isaiah because he saw himself in light of who God really is. He recognized his own human frailty. He saw himself as he was. And he said, woe is me. I'm a mess. I'm undone. I'm not clean. And he repented. Right there, he repented before God. You know, it reminds me of our ABCs of salvation that we talk about here at Kavanaugh Church. What's the A stand for? Admit. You've got to admit that you're a sinner. And you know what? You've got to do that before you change anything in your life. Before you can change something and make it better, you've got to admit there's a problem. And for some of us, we've, we've never come to that place where we've admitted, you know what? I am a sinner, and I can't save myself, and I need God in my life. And really, that's what Isaiah is doing this day. He is admitting his own human frailty. You admit you're a sinner. We say here at Kavanaugh, B, you believe that only Jesus can change you. And he's the only one who can. And then C, you confess him as Lord and Savior of your life. And in an Old Testament way, that's exactly what Isaiah is doing here in verse number 5. Woe is me. I, I, I'm a mess. I can't change my life. God, you are holy. And I need you. If you've never done that, and you need to do it today, because that's the only way you're going to get to heaven, Amen. is admitting, believing, and confessing Jesus. The cool thing is what happens in the next two verses. We admit, we believe, we confess, and then God does what God does. Verse 6, Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth, and he said, point number two, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin is purged. Put that in the New Testament, and you just got saved. God did what God does. God is the only one who can take our iniquities away. God is the only one who can purge us of our sins. God is the only one who can wipe our slate clean. And God is the only one who can write your name in the Lamb's book of life. The most important book of all. Because let me tell you, when it's all said and done at the end of the age, God's going to pull that book out. And only those whose names have been written in the Lamb's book of life are going to get into heaven. Those who have been saved 
by his grace. And, and understand the way I'm saying this. You're saved by his grace. You're saved by God. You admit, you believe, you confess, but that's all you can do. You can't save yourself. You can't earn heaven. You can't work your way into heaven. You, you've got to be saved to get into heaven. Well, I talk to people all the time about heaven, about going to heaven. It's interesting asking people, do you believe in heaven? A lot of people don't even believe in heaven. But those who do believe in heaven, I ask them this question. Well, do you know that you're going to get to heaven? Interesting the answers I get to that question. Most people say, a lot of people say, well, I sure hope so. That's the wrong answer, man. I say, well, what do you mean you hope so? And and. In essence, this is what all of them say. Well, I hope, I hope I've done enough good to get in. I hope my good outweighs my bad. And with all the love in my heart, let me tell you, that's not the way it works, guys. It's not the way it works. You can't ever be good enough. You can't ever work, work hard enough. It's only by the grace of God that you're saved. You've got to have happen to you what Isaiah had happened to him. God's got to purge you. And God has to save you. That can only happen through the grace of God. And if it hasn't happened to you, man, I pray that today you would allow that to happen. That you would be saved. That you would be born again. Because you can only get to point number three by going through the first two points. And point number three is what? It's woe, low. Go, here it is. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And then said I, Here am I, send me. And he said, Go, tell these people. You know what, that, that, that's just the natural reaction of somebody who's really been changed by God. They're on fire, man. Yeah. Isaiah was excited. He, he's like a, a little kid in a candy store. He just got saved, man. His life was just turned around. The past was gone. Everything was new. And he heard God say, hey, who can I count on to go out there and spread this word about me? And he lifted his hand and he said, here I am, God. Send me in, coach. I'm ready to play, man. Church, I'm going to be honest with you. I pray every day that you would hear that call and that you'd get off of your seat and do something for God. Now, don't think I'm rude or being, you know, this is not Brother Will preaching to you anyway. It's holy smoke talking to you. God needs you. If the world is going to hear the good news, it's going to be because you tell them, you go. You might, well, I sure would like to know what God wants me to do. Dude, he's telling you what to do. If you've been saved and born again, you've been called and commissioned to go out and tell people the good news. It's our job. Go and tell. So here I am a couple years ago. Cranking bullets on my Dillon 650 in my man cave named... Kokomo. Come on, stay up with me, people. Right? Cranking out bullets. Throw those four elements of the bullet back up there. I'm watching these bullets go around my Dillon 650, making bullets. The case that holds everything together, the primer that goes in the bottom of the case, 
The firing pin strikes the primer. The primer causes a small explosion that causes the powder to go off that shoots the bullet out the end of the case and the barrel of the gun. Cranking out bullets. I'm just talking to God praying and I'm saying, Lord, Lord, would, would you teach me something? Lord, I, I just want to hear something from you today. And man, I tell you what, if he didn't teach me a lesson from my Dillon 650 and the bullets I was making. It was cool, man. Here's what he taught me. And I know, if you don't think I'm crazy up till now, you're about to think I'm crazy. He said, holy smoke. You see that cartridge that's dropping down the chute? That cartridge, the piece of brass, holds everything together. And that cartridge, it represents God the Father. Because you think about it. God the Father is at the center of the universe. By his word, he created everything that was and is and will be. He holds everything together. Everything revolves in the hand of God. God the Father is the case. He's the brass. He holds it all together. I thought, well, that's pretty cool. I got over to station number two when I'm sitting that primer in the bottom of that case, and he said, holy smoke. Now, again, God's not speaking audibly to me, but he's kind of telling me this in my spirit. He says, see that little primer you just set in that case? That primer represents the work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross. You think about this. The cross changed the history of the world. The cross changed everything. The Roman centurions took our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, and they laid him out on an old wooden cross, a stick. And what they do? They beat him. They struck him. They hammered nails into his hands and his feet. He was pierced for us. He was bruised for us. He was beaten for us. And when his blood hit planet earth, it changed everything. Again, I, I'm not a ballistics expert, but again, follow me. You pull the hammer back, you squeeze the trigger. When that hammer hits the firing pin, it does what? It strikes the primer. The primer has been struck. It's been indented. It's been hit. That's what we did to Jesus. We struck Jesus. And that day on Calvary's cross, there was a little explosion that occurred that changed the world. Jesus represents the primer. Because when that little explosion happened 2,000 years ago, a big explosion happened. What, what's inside the case? The powder. Acts chapter 2 tells us, after Jesus died and went into heaven, he sent who? The Holy Spirit. What did the Holy Spirit do? He started the church. Major explosion on planet earth. Acts chapter 2 tells us the Holy Spirit is fire. <laughs> Are you following me here? And I'll tell you what, he is a fire. He can start a fire in your heart. He can start a fire in this church. He can start a revival fire in this community. And God only knows we need one. 
And so I'm cranking out these bullets and something. Man, that's cool. The Holy Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. It's represented right here in my little bullet. Thank you, God. That's mighty cool. He said, Holy smoke, that's not all there is to it. Because there's a fourth element to that cartridge. That's the bullet. That's the bullet. Again, follow me. The case holds everything together. The primer is struck by the firing pin, which causes a minor explosion, which causes a greater explosion in the case of this bullet. The gases cause a big explosion and the bullet to come out the end of the case to go down the barrel of the gun to strike the target that it's aimed at. He said, holy smoke, you're the bullet. You're the bullet. And I tell you what, it all made sense right then. I've shot with people from all over the world. And I come across some interesting people. These cowboy shooters are strange. You know, they're as good as gold. They give you the shirt off their back. They love this country. We, we say the Pledge of Allegiance before we shoot in any shoot, and I guarantee you nobody's sitting down when we say the pledge. Amen. Are you with me? We say uh, a prayer, and somebody will say, God bless our troops. It's just the kind of people I'm shooting with. They're good people. But I'd say 90% of them, when they die, are going to split hell wide open. They're just lost as a goose. And, and God has taught me, you know what, Will, it, it's good that you mingle around Christian folks, and I do. I'm, I'm, I'm around Christians most of the time, whether they be in this church or, or other people I fellowship with. But let me tell you something. If you spend all your time with Christians, you're not doing what God called you to do. And sometimes you guys can start stinking. Again, Pastor Will's not talking to you today. It's coming out of the mouth of holy smoke. And, and I need to be around lost people. I need to be around sinners. Why? Because God has called me to be this guy right here, this little bullet. And so I go to these cowboy shoots, and they all know I'm the preacher. Holy smoke, the preacher. Some of them clean up their language when they're around me. Most of them don't. <laughs> but here's what's happened over the last six or seven years. They know I'm the preacher. And even though they're lost and without Christ and without hope, they know they need hope. And it is amazing how they will come to me during a shoot and share with me problems they're having in their life. Or maybe they've got a kid that's sick or a grandchild that's having surgery. And they'll come ask the preacher, would you please pray for them? Had a guy not long ago having marital problems. This guy's an atheist, but he came and sought my counsel out, and I got to share with him the good news of Jesus. God was telling me that day, holy smoke, you're the bullets. Amen. Not just at these cowboy shoots, you're my bullet every day of the week. Because every day, I'm taking aim on people out there who need to hear the message of hope that you have in your heart. 
And I pick out people every day that I'm going to bring you in contact with. And I'm taking aim on them, holy smoke. And I'm firing you out of my holy barrel right at their heart. So be the bullet. Be the bullet, son. It's my message for you today. God wants you to be the bullet. Because this day, tomorrow, this next week, God is going to bring you into contact with people who need to hear the message of hope that we have in our heart. You might say, well, I don't know what to say to them. I don't, I don't know the Romans' road to salvation. As Clint Morgan, our missions director, told us last week, all you have to do is tell them your story. Isaiah had a story. He encountered God. It changed his life. If you've been born again, brother, you got a story. Be the bullet. Tell your story. So my assignment to you, if you're willing to take it, is put this bullet in your pocket. Carry it in your purse. Let it be a daily reminder of what God has called you to do. And if you have to go through uh, metal detectors and don't want to carry your bullet in your pocket, all right, I understand. Do something like this. Put it on your nightstand. And every night before you go to bed, look at that bullet and remember what God's called you to do and pray for people that you'll see the next day that God wants you to talk to. And when you get up in the morning, you look at that bullet and you say, God, I'm ready to be fired out of your holy barrel and I want to be used by you. Heavenly Father, would you do that in our hearts this morning? Help us to hear your voice and your call. And help us to respond today by saying, yes, Lord, I'll go. Yes, Lord, I'll witness. Yes, Lord, I'll tell others about you. Lord, may we come to the altar this morning and pray for our lost friends and family members and neighbors and people that we come in contact with, that we would have the story to tell them the message of hope. Lord, there could be someone in our room today that's uh, never been saved, and today they need to come and receive Jesus as their Savior. May they come during this invitation and pray and ask you into their heart. Lord, have your way. Work in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask that you stand with heads bowed and eyes closed. The altars are open. I just invite you.